أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله تعالى على رسوله سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا مولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته من تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد Given the uh, fact that this is the first day of the Hijjah uh, we're going to inshallah read today from the Babun fi al-Dhahaya wa dhaba'ih wa al-aqiqati wa al-sayd wa al-khitan in particular taking a look at the ahkam of how the udhiya uh, should work the udhiya is a sacrifice of uh hijjah for the person not on hajj the sacrifice of the person on hajj that sacrifice is called a hadith uh, um, and in particular, uh, um, if it's the hadith is a hadith of a penalty, um, then oftentimes people refer to it as a dam. Uh, um, but there are different types of hadaya as as well. There's a hadith which is a, a, a nafil. There's a hadith that comes with the um, performance of qiran uh, and of tamattu for the person who's not a resident of Makkah Mukarramah. Um, and it's important to differentiate between them. Desis lumped the entire thing into Qurbani in favor or in vindication of Desis. The word Qurban is actually, a, it's not just an Arabic word, it's a Semitic word for for any sacrifice. But one of the reasons that I uh, avoid using the, the, the expression Qurban or Qurbani in uh, in fiqh is because it's, there's an ambiguity of what it is. So the first thing that we... Uh, we want to lay down as a principle because maybe there are some people who are actually going on Hajj this year or who will sometime in the future. Uh, it may be a source of confusion for them is that if you're on Hajj, you don't get Eid al-Adha. And if you're on Eid al-Adha, you don't get Hajj. That's the first, that's the first like thing that, that has to be understood. If you're on Hajj, the 10th of the Hijjah is Yom al-Nahr. It's not Eid al-Adha. So the word, the expression Yom al-Nahr is a general expression and the Eid al-Adha is particular, it's a particular expression for, but only for those who are not in Hajj. And so the Ayyam al-Manasik, they all have names. These are names that are forgotten by people, should, people should remember them, right? What's the Eid al-Hijjah? It's the Yom al-Tarwiyah, right? Which, why? Because people used to fill up their, fill up their like water for the days of the Manasik. There's the entire there's the entire uh, um, aqueduct system all along the Manasik that was built by Zubaydah, the pious wife of Harun al-Rashid. Uh, for nearly a thousand years, the people who would go on Hajj would drink from it. It was connected with like a, a water source from very far away. And uh, different rulers over the years have had paid for its upkeep and its, for its repairs, but it was a um, for the early Middle Ages, it was a relatively uh, it was a, it was a relatively advanced engineering achievement because she heard that people would go into Hajj and they would uh, die of thirst, and that broke her heart. So all of her money that she had, she paid on public works projects like this. It said that uh, when she uh, when she was presented, because it took like over a decade to complete the project, when she was presented with the entire bill of how much money she spent and this much money from the engineers was on this part and this much, the whole breakdown, said she cast it into the into the into the uh, uh, Euphrates, 
and said, Inshallah, we'll read this Hisab on the Day of Judgment. Uh, um, so yeah, Tarwiya is the people the people used to get their water for the. Can anyone think of another? This mashallah, a, a proud achievement for our sisters, right? Can anyone think of another woman who has a similar achievement with regards to giving water to the people on Hajj? Say the Hajar alayhi salam, Sai. So it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a nice tradition. Um, so the the eighth is Tarwiyah, then the ninth is the day of Arafat, and then the tenth is the Yom al-Nahr. Because whether you're in Hajj or whether you're not, that's a day of uh, uh, the immolation of sacrifices. And then there's the first day of Mina, second day of Mina, third day of Mina. The seventh of the Hijjah also has a name. They call it Yom Zina. Uh, the Bid'ah police has kind of destroyed it. Um, and the whole the whole point of the reason it was called Yom Zina is because most of the people who came for Hajj were in Tamattu'ah, so most people were not in Ihram by this point. The people who were going to come for Ihram have already arrived and did their perform their Umrah, and uh, um, they've performed their Umrah by this point, and they're out of Ihram, and so everyone's showered and and uh, uh, looking nice, and so that day was dedicated in the Haram and Sharifain to uh, to. Uh, Instructing the pilgrims on how to do things, and that seems to that seems to be a tradition that's also like kind of lost. But there is a khutbah. There are many many khutbahs of Hajj that are like a cast cast out, abandoned now. And so the Yom Zina was like kind of like a day where everybody would come and take dars, uh, um, and so they they've kind of dispensed with they've kind of dispensed with that. But that's also in the fiqh books. If you ever see this expression Yom Zina, then know that they're talking about the Seventh, seventh of Dhul Hijjah. Anyhow, uh, coming back to the topic, uh, it's a chapter regarding the Haya. The Haya is the uh, plural of the word, the Hiya. And Udhiya, the plural of the word Udhiya, is Abahi. Uh, and uh, uh, the first thing that, uh, in the Siyak of mentioning. Uh, sacrifices he mentions slaughter and then in the siyak of slaughter he mentions different things uh, regarding food and drink uh, things that are impermissible and the first ruling he mentions is sunnatun wajibatun that the udhiyah is a sunnah wajiba this expression sunnah wajiba is again peculiar to the uh, mustalah of Ibn Abi Zayd Ibn Abi Zayd is in a small figure in the madhab and the Risala is essentially the first uh, Mukhtasar uh, uh, in the Madhab, at least that becomes famous, that other great Muhaqqiqeen write Shuruhat uh, on. But this expression, Sunnah Wajibah, is meant to convey that it's something somewhere between being uh, far than between being a Sunnah. So it's at least a Sunnah Mu'akkada, and uh, uh, it's something that is at least alludes to something that. That, that's similar to what the Hanafis refer to as far as except for the rest of the Madhab said no we're just gonna we're gonna like delineate the two and not have a category in between but they're those things that you can't strictly say are far but uh, like only only a person with like no honor would leave them for no reason uh, and then the uh, um, 
the definition of alaman istata'aha, the person who's able to uh, able to present such a sacrifice. Uh, uh, um, is huwa man la yahtaju ila thamaniha fi amihi. Uh, and so the, the, the person who doesn't who, who doesn't have like a dire necessity for that money for, for the year. So like if you have to have the money in order to eat or whatever, then then you don't have to then it's no longer a sunnah mu'akada for you to put that that, that sacrifice forth. But it's not that you know the benchmark is not it's not that you have to own nisab. Which uh, is, I believe, in other certain other madhahib or whatever. This is just you have to have the money for the sacrifice. So nas khalil sunnah lihurin lihurin ghairi hajin biminan dahiyatan. So the person who the uh, sunnah for the person who uh, is free and is not on hajj. Um, uh, 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 standing in Mina or staying in Mina in those in those days, um, and so itlaq al hurri yatanawal al sagir wal untha wal muqim wal musafir walidha qala wa in yatiman li anna Malik al radiyallahu anhu lama suila an al dhahiyati an yatiman lahu thalathuna dinaran. Uh, that uh, even the yatim, uh, the yatim should be if he has enough money in order to perform the udhiya. Uh, uh, he has, for example, thirty, uh, 30 dinars in trust. Uh, still, uh, the udhiya should be done on his behalf, and the fear of his provision should be. Uh, uh, consigned to the trust of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and so we'll talk about this I mean he, you know, he mentions that the udhiya is a sunnah for everybody uh, who is free so it includes, uh, it includes women and it includes uh, minors uh, but we'll talk about it there's some tafsil uh, about that afterward how is it performed on their behalf uh, but for now, that it's a sunnah mu'akkada for, for, for all of these, uh, for all of these people, for muqim and for musafir, if you're, if you're a resident and if you're traveling. So this is, uh, like in the Hanafi madhab, the udhiyah uh, 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 is, is considered wajib, but a person who's traveling is not, like it travels an other that makes the wujub uh, f- fall off. Traveling is a, an excuse that it's no longer wajib for you. وأقل ما يجزئ فيها من الأسنان الجذع من من الضأن وابن سنة وقيل ابن ثمانية أشهر وقيل ابن عشرة أشهر. So the udhiya has to be from four one of four asnaf. One of four uh, types of types of animal. Uh, it has to be from, or I should say, three. Uh, it has to be from ghanam. Ghanam breaks down into goats and sheep, um, or it has to be from uh, 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 ibil, which is camels, which breaks down to both the Bactrian and the 
dromedary camel. The dromedary is a common Arab camel, has two humps, and the Bactrian is the one that has two. And uh, um, then the Baqar is the third, uh, third category, which is cattle, which uh, includes um, kine and buffalo. Uh, and so the uh, first thing he mentions is the sheep, that the uh, minimum, the minimum sheep uh, that suffices for an udhiyah is uh, a jidr, and the jidr is described as being a year old, or uh, um, being you know when the opinions are mentioned subsequently especially with the sirat al-majhul it means that they're weaker opinions that, that some say that eight months will suffice some say uh, uh, that ten months will suffice min al-ma'az and the thani from, from, from goats وَهُوَ مَا أُوفَى سَنَةً وَدَخْلَ فِي الثَّانِيَةِ وَلَا يُجْزِئُ فِي الضَّحَايَ مِنَ الْمَعْزِ وَالْبَقْرِ وَالْإِبْلِ إِلَّا الثَّنِيُّ uh, uh, and so he says that he says that the thani from the from the maaz from the goats is the one that completed an entire year and has entered into into the second year. So that's that's the difference between the 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 sheep and the goat is that the sheep it can be like on it can be on its birthday, whereas uh, and like possibly a little bit before, whereas the goat should have completed the f- first year. Now, how is it that you can tell these things, right? Because when you're at the livestock market, you can't just ask it to produce its birth certificate, right? So you look at the teeth. Does it have two, two, two pairs of teeth? If the second pair of teeth is grown in, it means that it's already it started its its second year. Teeth from the bottom. Well, I mean, like you see them easier from the bottom, yeah. That's a thing, you know, you, you were born in America, you were born in America, we don't have the fun of like going to the livestock market, right? It's, complete, it's, complete, uh, it's a complete cultural experience, and although nobody can say that you're not a real Muslim if you didn't go to the livestock market, market you know, it's not true, that's somewhat of a, a hyperbole, but it is a cultural experience, and then you go and see, you'll actually see, well, it looks kind of small, and they'll see like, no, look at the teeth and things like that, yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> but on the flip side, what happens is sometimes people people here they do go for udhiyah like we. I myself never did it, but like I know a brother who, kind of like as a side hustle, worked these days on a farm. And uh, what happens is the people who are selling the livestock oftentimes are non-Muslims that they buy the livestock in lots from. The people who are buying them are not really versed in fiqh, and the people who are slaughtering them. They want the young animal because the meat is tender, and they'll oftentimes slaughter an animal that doesn't qualify. So this is an important information, that when you actually go do your udhiyah, make sure that it has two pairs of teeth. So the jidr is the animal, uh, the jidr is the animal that the second pair of teeth has started to grow in with. And in goats and sheep, the jidr is, is what you call the animal that's completed its first year <coughs> and entered into its second. Um, the jidr in, in uh, that process in in cattle and in, in, in camels it takes a little bit longer.
uh, of the uh, cattle is the the animal that's completed three years and entered its fourth year of life. وَالثَّنِيُّ مِنَ الْإِبْلِ إِبْنُ سِنِينَ And the uh, thani of the camel is the camel that is uh, uh, that is uh, uh, six years old. So here uh, the commentary says, "Well, Muradu no tamma khamsa sinina wadakhala fisadisa." So here the six-year-old camel means that it should be, it should have completed its, it completed five years of life and entered into its sixth year. It's some somewhat ambiguous. So you, the commentator clarifies. وخسيانها أفضل من إناثها وإناثها أفضل من ذكور المعزي ومن إناثها فحول المعزي أفضل من إناثها وإناث المعزي أفضل من الإبل والبقر في الضحايا وأما في الهدايا فالإبل أفضل ثم البقر ثم الضأن ثم المعز ولا so yes so he says that for the أضحية uh, the rule is this, is that the the superior udhiya is a male, uncastrated male uh, uh, ram, meaning from the jints of sheep. And thereafter, uh, the castrated male, thereafter the female, uh, and then thereafter the uh, uncastrated uh, uh, male goat, And then the castrated male goat is superior to the female goat. And then after that, the uh, Ibn Abi Zaid, he puts, uh, uh, he puts the uh, um, cattle and camels in the same. In the same bracket thereafter. And uh, what's the, what's the qaida between between them the rule that this hierarchy is based on is that for the udhiya the emphasis should be on the quality of the meat now if you were to read this in Pakistan people maybe their preference wouldn't be the same I have my own theories about that which is that people who say I don't like lamb is lamb because you know it smells gamey or whatever because they, they don't actually like the taste of meat because that's what meat tastes like. So if you don't want it to be gamey, you should probably eat an avocado. But, uh, 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 but you know, so the, the idea is whether you agree with this or not, if you want to be, if you want to follow the, uh, the, 
the letter of fiqh, which will make uh, uh, some people happy, then that's what the letter is. You heard the tartib. If you want to follow the theory behind it, which will make other people happy, uh, uh, then you'll follow the tartib. And a real faqih will like think about what will make Allah Ta'ala happy, which changes from circumstance to circumstance and may fall either way. It may involve sometimes using the letter of the law for a, cer- a certain reason and invoking the spirit of the law for another reason because circumstances are different and there's a sir that's inside the heart when a person does something it's there between them and Allah Ta'ala and so we're not allowed to be fifth optional like God knows what I'm feeling and I'm a good person and all that we're still like constrained by the law but there's a way there's there's some area to work within it as well um, which which is a nuance even people though people don't like that that word anymore I guess um so that's the theory with the udhiyah and then he mentions he says that for the hadaya it's the exact opposite the superior from the hadaya is 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 the camel then cattle then uh, uh goat and then uh, uh, uh sorry then uh, uh, sheep then goat so why why is that it's because when you're in hajj i mean nowadays they actually don't have this problem anymore or they if they do they manage it with some difficulty but the idea is that in Hajj, there's like a whole bunch of people and you're in the middle of Arabia, there's nothing to eat. You can't grow things over there. You can't, like, it's not, it's not, it was still a relative backwater since basically, since after the Khilafah Rashida, the metropolis, Makkah Mukarram and Medina Munawwara were not like economic powerhouses or mercantile powerhouses. And so um, in Mina, which is for even relatively for the Arabian Peninsula, a relatively desolate place, um, you have to feed a whole bunch of people. So the more meat that you get out of the animal, the superior it would be. And that's why he mentions in the, the tartib, it's not exactly the opposite. What is it? It's first camel, and then uh, uh, and then it's uh, um, cattle, and then it's, it's uh, uh, sheep, and then it's goat. If it was the exact opposite, then it would be goat than sheep. But because sheep and goat give a relatively a similar amount of meat, or the same amount of meat, um, because the the preference was for the meat of the the, the sheep, then uh, then it's there. And here, there's no mention of the the gender or or whether it's been castrated or not. The people castrate the castrate the animal because it takes out that kind of meteor gamey uh, toughness uh, uh, from the meat. It's really funny, actually. Like when we were reading Sahih Bukhari in, in, in Lahore, the uh, you know Sheikh Hadith of the Madrasa, he was explaining something like in just when talking about Hadith how how they used to eat. Radiallahu anhum. He's saying that like you have to understand Arabs don't eat the meat like we do. We boil it until it becomes soft and falls off the bone, and it has to be like super soft. They like to like chew on it a little bit, you know. It's good. People should. And he said, you should try it also sometime. You know, like, so you understand when you read these hadiths how these things are supposed to be. Um, so yeah, so they like to chew it a little bit. The people who don't like to chew it, they're obviously going to want the softer meat. This is something, by, by the way, fiqh, because it's not a static thing. It's worthy of mention. This is an issue that that they have with uh, with meat now is talaf. They completely like what will happen is everybody's doing tamattu. And everybody has a, a hadith that they have to that they that they have to slaughter. Very few people will do it on their own. And as time goes on, they actually close the access for people to do those things on their own more and more. And uh, <coughs> there is the slaughterhouse of Mina is in a place called Muraisim. 
I don't even know if it's open to the public anymore, right? Uh, so like without commenting on like whatever how things are being run or not, I don't I don't think it's even open. At some point or another, if you purchased a token to do a slaughter, you could actually present it at the slaughterhouse in Mu'aisim and they would let you slaughter your animal and they had a system of letting people get it out with the idea that most people are not interested in doing that. Uh, otherwise, the ihram is just as much red as it is white. Um, uh, Hajj is a, not a not a, a clean business in in uh, in the physical sense. In the spiritual sense, it is very clean, but in the physical sense, you're supposed to be in shock. This is why when people ask, Sheikh, can I use like unscented shampoo and unscented soap and unscented care product? I'm like, that's not how Hajj is supposed to be. Like they read the Messiah like it's haram to dip your head in water because you're gonna like cause the lice to like die, and then you're you know you're like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> You know, people walking around with like red and then brown oxidized post red ihrams. That's kind of how it is, right? Malik rahimullah ta'ala. I remember my sheikh asked me, he goes, did he ever leave Medina? He goes, he goes, he used to not like to leave Medina, right? I said, I said, yeah. He says, you're Maliki, right? He goes, tell me, because obviously, Jishisab is like arch muhadith, right? So he's like, did he ever leave Medina? I was like, well, it would seem that like maybe not because he used to drop the uh, drop off. Uh, 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 guests at the head of the city and then he would not leave it he would at the boundary of the haram then he would go back but i imagine that i imagine that since hajj is far that's uh, that's the only time he left and he's like he's like uh he's like yeah he goes you're right that's the only time he left is hajj he goes do you know how many times he made hajj and then uh i said no i have no idea he goes he goes i i this was like a research project i did one time how many times did iman malik make hajj and uh, right, it's mashallah. Like the, it's like one of those things that when you're done, like with the bow tie and calling each other sidi and smoking expensive wood out of a crack pipe, when you actually want to go to the a little deeper into being Maliki, right? That Imam Malik, this is a part of the shahsiyah, right? That he didn't used to leave Medina Munawwara, right? And so he went thirteen times. He said, he said, I, I, I identified from the Athar thirteen unique times that that he went on Hajj. Wallahu alam. Sheikh was muhaqqiq. Like I imagine, if it, you know, if, if if it's not accurate, it's probably pretty close to the mark. And can you imagine how many books you'd have to read to like pull something like that out? And he was like that. He just read a lot of books. Um, and so, thirteen times, and uh, it said that he never went on. He never went except for with Ibn from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which obviously is our, you know, some of our friends are not going to understand, but. Whatever the first one, I guess. I guess you already have it. Then from Nasi, you have even from Allah Taala. But the other ones, then even from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is actually probably one of the best, the best aqwal uh, 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 that I've heard of for what's the the afdal place is that it's Medina except for in the Ayam al Manasik for three days. It's or for, for four days. It's Mina for the day of, of, of Tarwiyah and for the three days of Mina it's in Mina and then for one day it's in Arafat and one day and one night it's in Muzdarifah and uh, uh, then for the time that, that the Ummah has to be in the uh, in the Masjid al-Haram uh, but it said that he never washed his Ihram between those 13 times probably not going to be a selling point on your Hajj package, but none of us have Hajj packages anyway, so we may as well mention it at this point, right? So, that the, the contemporary problem, coming back to the fiqh, the contemporary problem is what is that all these slaughters have to be done. If they're not done, that's a problem. 
that's a, that's a like a fraud. It has to be. And the, the thing is that the the hadith, one of the differences between the hadith and the the is that it has to be done in those places. If the hadith is mawquf on Arafat, if it made it to Arafat for the wuquf, then it's to be slaughtered in Mina. If it's not, if it's not there, then it's to be slaughtered in Makkah Mukarramah, and in all of uh, all of Makkah, all of the the alleys of Makkah are manhar. But it, the the Sunnah was the afdal place was to slaughter them at Marwa because the mutamatta and the the the, the that's where that's where their uh, uh, ihram ends. Is is sa'i. If you do, if you do ifrad, like Malik said, is afdal, then you just do tawaf and you're done, because you did the sa'i of hajj with the tawaf of qudum. So the manhar is what is. It used to be marwa. Obviously, if you even try taking an animal there, it's just going to cause problems. It's not, you know. But uh, um, this is the issue with the hadith is that, that it's somewhat out of your control, because people are logistically that doesn't you can't like get on the trains and things like that with your with your animals and uh, you can't travel with your animals in private cars or in buses in private cars you can people used to do it until relatively recently but you can't really do that anymore because that whole system is broken down and so because they've aggregated and con- uh, aggregated all the slaughter there's just all this meat and it just goes it goes bad because who's you can't put it in your freezer you can't you know like how did they used to deal with it in the old days um that when you have the the you uh, immediately like take the uh, the meat out and you lay it out to dry and uh, uh, you salt it and you lay it out to dry and they, they would eat the organs first and you can't do any of that stuff with this system right um, and so I think there was some attempt at some point or another to can it and give them the the, the meat out for uh, in charity like throughout the year um, and there are definitely poor people in Makamukarama. There are a lot of poor people in Makamukarama, but there's still logistical difficulties in doling all of it out at once. So what happened is that there would be like an underground black market in the meat of Hadaya. So it's a it's a logistical problem to think about. Inshallah, we have some people who are like Mashallah, good good logistics thinkers. They have uh, they work for Deloitte and for uh, McKinsey and this and that. Uh, you know, maybe that's a better way for them to receive ajr than to try to give khutbah or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, and so he says that he says that you're not. It's not. It's not valid. In any of that, um, meaning neither in Bahaya nor in in Hadaya, uh, to uh, slaughter a a, a one-eyed, uh, 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 one-eyed uh, uh, animal or an eye in which it may has may or animal that maybe has two eyes but one of them is defective, um, mostly defective, uh, nor the animal that is uh, clearly sick or ill. Nor the animal that uh, um, like it has like a broken a broken uh, what you call rib, 
nor an animal that is like emaciated to the point where it has no fat whatsoever. It's just completely like skin and bones. So the idea is then he like generalizes the principle. He says, um, he said that that every every defect should be avoided when picking an animal for sacrifice. إلا أن يكون sorry ولا ولا المشقوقة الأذن إلا أن يكون يسيرا وكذلك القطع ومكسورة القرن إن كان يدمي فلا يجوز وإن لم يدمي فذلك جائز so he says that also the animal that is has like a slashed ear although if there's just a small cut sometimes they used to slash the ears of animals as well as a marker or a brand that you know without comment to whether that's permissible or not but it is uh, um, if it's just a small cut then it is it just it is a valid udhiyah. It doesn't make the udhiyah uh, invalid. And then he also mentions like the horn, that if the horn is broken, um, if it's, it's the same principle, if it's just a little bit, then uh, uh, then it's valid. If it's a lot to the point where like blood comes from it or liquid comes from it, because then that's not valid. You can obviously you can obviously slaughter it and eat it. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not it doesn't it's not valid as a sacrifice, as a ritual sacrifice. Is it the same for the other things that you mentioned online about um, the illness and the broken ribs and things like that. Like if the yeah. animal has that, it's not valid to do it. Yeah, right, right. And the illness is again like it's it's like it's very clearly ill. Right. If it's just something small, some something that another person might not even notice, it's. It's not what's being meant, talked about here. وَلْيَلِ الرَّجُلُ ذِبْحَ أُضْحِيَتِهِ بِيَدِهِ بَعْدَ ذِبْحِ الْإِمَامِ أَوْ نَحْرِهِ يَوْمَ النَّحْرِ ضَحْوَةً And so he says, he says, let a, let a man solder his own his own udhiyah with his own hand. And it's it's uh, it's mandub. It's it's recommended. It's not it's not like if you assign someone else to do it that it's invalid. But a person should. It's just, it's better, superior for them to slaughter their udhiyah with their own hand. And then the next masala. It's a unique uh, masala of the Maliki school. To my knowledge, none of the other madahib have it. And that is that. Uh, the person should be so the, because the question the question comes up of what the first time is to validly uh, slaughter is that the first time of the valid slaughter is after the imam slaughters so in the other schools it's after the salat al-eid or it's after the uh, uh, um, the sun rises or it's after the uh, uh, the crack of dawn
so in the Maliki school it's the Imam and there's a lot of reasons for this and there's a lot of benefit in this that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also it's reported that he used to bring his Udhiyah with him to the place the place of the Eid prayer the Musallah of Eid and that he used to slaughter the animal he'd come down from the mimbar after or from the place that he would deliver the khutbah of Eid because the khutbah is after the Salat and then he would slaughter himself and one of the benefits of that is it shows the people how to do it one of the benefits of it is also it's one of the it's a sha'ira it's like one of the symbols of the the millah of Sayyidina Ibrahim and it's done publicly probably not a good decision on my part in a fit of sleep deprived uh, 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 flagrance I took a picture of my udhiyah and posted it online and perhaps it can be suggested that uh, antagonistically uh, left a few words for people who don't like it. Mukhlisina lahuddina wa lokariha al kafirun. It's kind of part of the deen as well, but then again, kalim al nas ala qadri uqulihim. There are some people who didn't like it, but the point is, is this perhaps a more tactful way of doing it would have been better, but at the end of the day, the bottom line, when it's all said and done, right? Because there's always room for improvement, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that doesn't, you know, turn black into white or white into black or whatever, right? Is that uh, um, it should be done publicly. And the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made ihtimam of it being done publicly. And the fact that it's the Maliki school makes me believe that the Khulafa Rashidun also, this was like the khutbah of Jum'ah or whatever, that it was a sign of imara as well like the name of the, the sultan being read in the khutbah or whatever, is that the one who brings his hadith to the, to the Salat al-Eid, or his, his uh, I should say, Udhiyah to the Salat al-Eid, that that's, that's a sign of their imama. Uh, and so, uh, at any rate, in line with that, then people would slaughter after the imam slaughters. And uh, people, you know, not only do they learn how to do it correctly, but they also see that this is part of the deen and not be like ill gross or whatever, like that, that it's established as one of the sha'ir of deen. And so there's some discussion, who is the imam here mentioned? Is it the, the khalifa or the, it seems like, it seems like the, at least Nafrawi, this particular commentator, he, um, he and others, they practically talk about it, that it's just the Imam whoever's leading the Salat al-Eid in the locality. وَمَنْ ذَبَحَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَذْبَحَ الْإِمَامُ أَوْ نَحَرَ أَعَادَ أُضْحِيَتَهُ And so, this is the Maliki position again, is that the person who slaughters before the Imam slaughters, uh, that, per, or that person will, will be required to do it again, because it's not valid. وَمَنْ لَا إِمَامَ لَهُمْ فَلْيَتَحَرَّوا صَلَاةَ أَقْرَبِ الْأَيِمَّةِ إِلَيْهِمْ وَذِبْحَهُ And so the person who is like, if you like live in like whatever, Gnome, Alaska or whatever, uh, it's not Gnome, it's Gnome without the G, right? Gnome is like the garden thing, uh, like we're the weird little garden object that's also haram. Uh, it's Then let them see that wherever the nearest like whatever anchorage or Juno or whatever the nearest like Salat al-Eid is and then they should take a conservative estimate of when 
the imam from there should have slaughtered. Now this is kind of problematic because there are a lot of people who don't slaughter or maybe the imam is leading the prayer and he's not going to slaughter until the second day or whatever, right? There, there's no ihtimam for this uh, here. It's, it's a problem. It's not a good thing. It would be nice if I had the wherewithal that uh, we could do that. We could actually have a Salat al-Eid that's held as the Sunnah is for Salat al-Eid that it should be held outside of the uh, outside of the Masjid and that, that, that this should actually happen, that people should see that, that he has his whatever kabsh or whatever, his ram that he slaughters after the Salat. But this is kind of problematic. Like I don't know what to do about it because you can't really, oftentimes you can't even get to the Imam so you don't know if they're slaughtering or not. Many people are not. Uh, and uh, you know, we ask Allah Taala for His help uh, in navigating through these things. Woman dha bil lam This is another uh, uh, opinion of the Maliki school that's at least different than it's at least different than the the Hanafi school, which is that the. Udhiya and the uh, 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 the the hadiyah, the sorry the hadiyah of Hajj, the udhiya and the hadiyah of Hajj, um, they're not valid at night time. So from sunset to sunrise, uh, um, they're not valid. And you know Nafrawi brings a hikayah of, of the of the narration from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Qila anna Nabiya sallallahu alaihi wasallam qala. من ضحب الليل فليعد and then uh, behind that he mentions that it's never been narrated that he slaughtered sallallahu alayhi wa sallam any of his ritual sacrifices except for in the daytime uh, and so this is also something that, like you know, the slaughterhouses in in um, in in the Haram they run by day and night. Um, and so you know, a person, I guess, at some point or another, if you don't have a choice, you kind of have to accept things like that. But if a person wishes to, they can make arrangements as well. There's, there are like you know the the, the slaughter for it to be the hadith for it to be valid in Makkah Mukarramah has to be in Makkah Mukarramah it can't be outside of it, but it doesn't have to be the government. So if you know somebody, there are people who like will do this. You can pay them to slaughter for you, and they'll like, call you and let you know how your slaughter is done. It has to do with also keeping tartib on the Yom Al Nahr, that it's a Sunnah Mu'akkada that you first you stone the Jamrat Al Aqaba and then. Uh, um, then you do your sacrifice and then you shave your head or cut your hair if you're a woman and then um, uh, or uh, diva haji uh, and uh, uh, and then you then you make your tawafili father that like if you have somebody to do it for you right that that, that can happen like that but uh, then on the flip side people do do it at night so if you have someone do it for you, you should specify to them don't don't slaughter it at night um, لم يجزه وأيام النحر ثلاثة uh, that the, the, the days of immolation are three يذبح فيها أو ينحر إلى غروب الشمس من آخرها وأفضل الأيام وأفضل أيام النحر أولها ومن فاته الذبح في اليوم الأول إلى الزوال 
فقد قال بعض أهل العلم يستحب له أن يصبر إلى ضحى اليوم الثاني ولا so the, the days of slaughter are three for the Eid al-Adha he's talking about the Ubhiyah um, that you can slaughter on the first day the second day all the way until the Maghrib of the third day he mentions this opinion that if uh, uh, um, that it's better to slaughter before noon and there is an opinion that if a person, if noon passes on the first day, it's better for them to wait till the second day. My understanding, after reading through different shuruhat of Khalil, is that, that actually the fatwa of the madhab is to the contrary of this, that all of the first day is better than all of the second day. But that opinion does exist as well. Um, so that you have <coughs> three days to do it. وَلَا يُبَاعُ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الْأُضْحِيَةِ جِلْدٌ وَلَا غَيْرُهُ That you cannot, you cannot sell or profit from any part of, uh, uh, from any part of the udhiyah. Neither it's, uh, uh, neither it's hide nor any other part of it. I think Sheikh Amin once mentioned something about the tax break. When you get the tax break from the udhiyah, you should also donate, donate that in charity. Then someone afterward grabbed me after the Salatul Jum'ah and is like, well, that's your money in the first place. They took it from you and they're giving it back. I'm like, okay, fine. Okay, then don't give it. Then keep the tax break. Take the, in every case, everyone, all the Ahlul Ilm, the Ijma'ah of the Ummah is that you should take the tax break. <laughs> and if you don't want to give it in charity afterward, good for you. وَتَوَجَّهُ الذَّبِيحَةُ وَتَوَجَّهُ الذَّبِيحَةُ وَتَوَجَّهُ الذَّبِيحَةِ Both of them, I guess you could read. عِنْدَ الذَّبْحِ إِلَى الْقِبْلَةِ So the first, the first, in the first case it would be فِعْلْ مُضَارِعِ In the second case it would be هَنْتَارِكْ In the second case it would be the مَصْدَرْ, right? So you, he said, he said what, 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 uh, to what that the the biha will face, or the tawajjuh the bihati, the tawajjuh of the the biha, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I guess you could make it like the masdar as the uh, in the meaning of the of, of the fi'l as well. But uh, here the tawajjuh is tawajjuh, but you have the option of dropping when you have the tata the 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 fi'l mudari with the mazid ta you can drop one of them and it's still like right tanazzalul malaikatu tatanazzalul malaikatu yeah always fun to remember all these th fun things um uh, that the the at any rate should face when it's being uh, uh slaughtered should face the qibla the word the biha mashallah we're using it here in its actual meaning which is the the slaughter this whole thing of like, is it halal or is it zabiha? That's that's doesn't that means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Alhamdulillah, I had to leave home for several years, but we came home with some really important information. After some years, we're like, wait, hold on a second. That doesn't mean a damn thing. Yeah. Waliyakul <laughs> zabihu bismillahi. 
Wallahu Akbar. And so optimally the, the person slaughtering should say Bismillah, Bismillahi Akbar in the name of Allah and Allah's greatest. Although although either Bismillah or Allahu Akbar suffices and even just saying Allah suffices, but the optimal formula is Bismillahi Wallahu Akbar. وَإِنْ زَادَ فِي الْأُضْحِيَةِ رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا فَلَا بَأْسَ بِذَلِكَ The person who in particular when doing the udhiyah and by extension any ritual sacrifice says رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا فَلَا بَأْسَ That there's nothing, that, that shouldn't be a, a problem. Now, he says this but it seems that, uh, it seems that uh, um, all of these kind of extensions uh, of what you say, even for the udhiyah uh, from Malik rahimullah ta'ala, he considered them to be makruh. Uh, I think part of it is because they're not, they're, they're, uh, they were not the amal of the people of Medina, so he didn't want it to become a bid'ah to the point where people thought that it was necessary or whatever. Imam Malik was very stringent about these things, but it's the opinion of Ibn Abi Zayd that there's nothing wrong with it. La Bas, you know, indicates that it's mubah, it's permissible if you want to do it. No harm is done. Amma qawluhu Allahumma minka wa ilayka wa minka wa laka fi dhibhi al-udhiyyati yakrahu wa yukrahu inda malika li annahu bid'atun. And again, Malik, Malik rahimahullah ta'ala, his conception, conception of bid'ah was a little bit harsher. In that sense, that it may not be in and of itself a, pr- a problem, but if it's feared that people will take it as if it's a sunnah, uh, then then that that's a problem. And someone might say, "Well, that's actually narrated. It actually is narrated." Allahumma minka wa laka an Muhammad al ummatihi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It's ahad narration that the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, said this when when slaughtering it, slaughtering once. But again, the whole theory about the Maliki school is that Malik rahimahullah taala he. Uh, um, he looked at what the practice of the aslaf was. And so he says, I'm not going to like have an Iraqi come to me and like narrate a hadith to me. And then I, you know, I, I learned from the people who learned from the Khulafa Rashidun. You know, if it was that big of a deal, they would have all done it. None of them would have left it behind. It's a way of looking at the sharia. It should, it should be considered. And if a person does khilaf of it, then you don't have to jump down their throat either. Are there uh, any questions? Sallallahu ta'ala wa rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.